Hey, ghoul friends, it's me, Adrian, or Aiden. Either way, I am still your host, and you are still listening to Susto, the podcast of ooky, spooky, scary stories. And if this is your first time, welcome to Susto. Thank you for joining us. Right off the bat, y'all, not many updates aside from that we have the next Susto movie night scheduled, and that is going to be happening Saturday, April 1st at 8 p.m., so that's this Saturday. Again, Susto movie night is an event that is reserved for best school friends, so if you are a patron and you are signed up as a best girlfriend you have access to that i will be sending messages out to those who qualify before the movie night with a link to it but again it is on our discord again something that all best girlfriends have access to on patreon.com slash podcast so if you're interested in joining you can do so there we're going to be watching jennifer's body i'm so excited because this is one of those movies that i feel was ahead of its time when it came out it's fun it's a little campy i know i say that about a lot of horror movies <laughs> typically about movies that other people would say maybe are not good but to me it's camp and I like it and I enjoy it and Megan Fox did great in it so did Amanda Seyfried and uh, I think it's an underrated movie so I'm excited to watch it not only that but if you keep an eye on the socials you will see that I am going to be dressing up as Jennifer for the stream so if you want to see me dressed up as Jennifer from Jennifer's Body you're going to have to tune in to see that. I'm sure I'll post a picture after, but you can see it in action on the stream on the Susu movie night. So I'm excited for that. It's going to be fun. It's going to be the first time that I'm dressing up for the movie, which I think is something I'm going to try and do moving forward for the other movies because it's just, fun, you know? Again, you can keep up to date with all things Susto on the social medias. That's at Susto Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I think that's about it. Aside from, as always, if you have your own scary story that you want me to share on the show, you can do so by sending it to sustopodcast at gmail.com. You can also send it as a DM on the socials, or you can leave it in a five-star review if you're able to do so wherever you are listening. Or you could leave a five-star rating or review and follow wherever you're listening, because that is the easiest way to help me. It's free and it really does help the show do well. It puts the show in front of other people's eyes and in their ears. So yeah, make sure that you are subscribed, following, or leaving reviews wherever you're listening to Susto. And one final thing, Susto is going to be at the True Crime and Paranormal Podcast Festival. I will be tabling there from August 25th to 27th here in Austin. You can visit True Crime Podcast Festival to get all the details on the event. And you can also use code Susto to get 15, that's one five percent off of your attendee or VIP attendee tickets. It's going to be lots of fun. Lainey and the folks over at the True Crime and Paranormal Podcast Festival have some really cool stuff lined up. I'm very excited. It's going to be one of the first events that Suso has ever agreed to do in person. So I'm excited to meet like-minded people, other creators, other lovers of the paranormal, and I hope to see you there. And if you are going, let me know. I'd love to know who's going to be there. And maybe we can plan a little like spooky meetup. That'd be fun. Let's go ahead and jump into today's episode, which is the story of Mexico's exorcism or El Exorcismo Magno. Christian exorcism has become so popular worldwide that now it's not only performed on tormented individuals, but also on entire nations. On May 20, 2015, Mexico, the second largest Catholic country in the world, was exorcised of its demons in an unprecedented rite of exorcismo magno performed in secret in the city of San Luis Potosí. 
renowned Spanish exorcist and demonologist José Antonio Fortea, author of the book El Exorcismo Magno, joined Cardinal Juan Sandoval Iniguez, Archbishop Emeritus of Guadalajara, and a cadre of trained exorcists to perform the maximum type of Catholic exorcism reserved for nations and dioceses on the Mexican Republic itself. In an interview with the Catholic press, the famed exorcist Father Fortea explained that the exorcismo magno is useful in situations in which great violence has been unleashed in a country. The Exorcismo Magno of Mexico in 2015 was an extraordinary event that captured the attention of the world and left a lasting impact on the religious and cultural landscape of Mexico. The exorcism itself was not made known to the general public beforehand and was conducted secretly in the Cathedral of San Luis Potosí, a historic and majestic building that dates back to the 17th century. The event was organized by the aforementioned group of priests and exorcists who believed that Mexico was under the influence of evil spirits and needed to be cleansed. They were concerned about the rising levels of violence, corruption, and drug addiction in the country and believed that these were manifestations of demonic influence. Mexico, of course, has been plagued by hyperviolence since 2006 when former president Felipe Calderón launched an unprecedented assault on some of the major drug cartels. Since then, an estimated 100,000 Mexicans have died in the ongoing battles over access to the largest drug market on earth in the US. The Exorcismo Magno was not an isolated event, but was part of a wider trend of increased interest in exorcism and spiritual warfare in the Catholic Church. The church has always recognized the reality of demonic possession and the need for exorcism, but in recent years, there has been a renewed emphasis on these practices. The Exorcismo Magno was a large-scale exorcism conducted according to the Roman Catholic rite of exorcism, which involves a lengthy and complex process of prayer, scripture reading, and ritual actions. The exorcism was said to be the largest and most comprehensive exorcism ever performed in Mexico, and it was attended by thousands of people from all over the country and beyond. The exorcismo magno was not without controversy, and there were concerns that it could fuel superstition and hysteria. Some critics argued that it was an attempt by the Catholic Church to reassert its authority in a country where it has been losing influence. Others saw it as an example of religious fanaticism and a regression into pre-modern worldview. However, supporters of the Exorcismo Magno argued that it was a necessary response to the spiritual crisis that Mexico was facing. They pointed to the rising levels of violence, corruption, and drug addiction in the country as evidence that there was a demonic presence at work. They also argued that the exorcism was a powerful symbol of the church's commitment to confronting evil and fighting for the spiritual welfare of its followers. The Exorcismo Magno was also significant because it was held in a country that has a rich and complex religious history. Mexico has a unique blend of indigenous, European, and African influences, and its religious traditions reflect this diversity. The country is predominantly Catholic, but it also has a rich tradition of indigenous spirituality and syncretism. The Exorcismo Magno raised important questions about the role of religion in contemporary society. It highlighted the fact that, despite our modern secular worldview, 
there is still a deep-seated need for spiritual guidance and meaning. It also raised questions about the relationship between religion and science and the limits of our understanding of the world around us. The Exorcismo Magno was not just a religious event, but also a cultural one. It was an opportunity for people to come together and express their faith and their commitment to a better future for Mexico. The exorcism was attended by people of all ages, from all walks of life, and from all parts of the country. During the ceremony, there were reports of strange phenomena and supernatural events. Some people reported feeling a sense of oppression or unease, while others claimed to have seen or heard supernatural beings. However, these reports were difficult to verify, and many skeptics dismissed them as being the result of mass hysteria or suggestion. Despite the controversy, the Exorcismo Magno was seen by many as a powerful symbol of faith and spiritual renewal. Exorcisms, especially among Catholics and Pentecostals, has been surging worldwide for the past couple decades. But there's no doubt that Pope Francis, between performing a spontaneous one at the Vatican and making frequent references to the devil and demons, has given it a further boost. The exorcism of Mexico marks a fascinating new development in which entire nations are viewed as demon-possessed. Where might Father Fortea perform his next exorcismo magno? I want to say that I remember hearing about this as it was happening. And I remember this, there was this sense of <gasps> that overtook <laughs> Catholic people. And I remember hearing people around me talking about it. And it was very end times kind of thing. Like, is this the end? Is this the second coming of Jesus? What's actually going on? Uh, people were really freaked out. And rightfully so, you know, you hear about exorcisms and they're kind of few and far in between the ones at least that are taken very seriously by the church because as we've spoken about on the show before they only happen at an official capacity very rarely you know all these things have to line up and they have to qualify basically for the catholic church to take them on and those are the ones that we hear about the most right because they're very heavily documented again by the way this is something also that was based on a true event so this exorcismo magno actually happened in mexico and uh there are a couple links that i'm going to go through you can find all the direct links in the Patreon Susto Google Docs. But the first one that we have is from HuffPost and it's titled The Extraordinary Exorcism of Mexico. This one helped me put this piece together a lot, but it references these people. Also, it was written by Dr. R. Andrew Chestnut, who... Wow, I've referenced, I just saw that this was by him. I've used sources from Dr. Chestnut before in the Santa Muerte episode, so... Friend of the pod, I guess. <laughs> but this is an article from 2015 when this happened. There are parts of this that I left out because I wanted to focus on the idea of exercising a nation. And, you know, the again, the reasons that they wanted to do this was because of the uptick in violence, drug addiction, and all that. That was kind of explained because this uptick didn't happen for no reason. You know, this was the result of the Mexican government trying to tackle the issue of the drug cartels. But some things that were mentioned in this 
article by Dr. Chestnut or this piece by Dr. Chestnut that I didn't include in the article that I read was they talk about the Santa Muerte because obviously the Santa Muerte is a folk saint. Um, and if you haven't heard the episode about her, I highly recommend to go listen to her or to go to listen to that one about her. The Catholic Church, of course, denounces Santa Muerte because she is not a real saint in their eyes. And even further, they think that she is, you know, a sign of or a symbol of Satanism. And again, as with many things mystical and magical like brujeria, these other religions is basically from what I've picked up, I'll say, I'll use I statements. I think the Catholic Church <laughs> believes that, you know, they are the one religion, that there is only Christianity and that any other religion is, you know, it's evil and it's of the devil. We talked about that in the Santa Muerte episode of how more and more people are maybe not even converting to worshiping La Santa Muerte, but maybe just kind of coming out of the closet of worshiping her, if that makes sense. More and more people are being public, or maybe we're seeing it more with the increase of the use of the internet, social media, and all that. So it's becoming more visible, essentially. And this exorcism could have been a response to that, to kind of stifle that wave of Santa Muerte followers, I guess I'll say. And and again, as I said in that episode, and it, it says here in this article as well, is that she's often associated with the drug cartels. And so uh, just a line from here from Dr. Chestnut's piece, it says, And if Mexican folk saint Santa Muerte has been condemned by the Vatican and is denounced on a weekly basis in Mexico, it's because the church views the skeleton saint as the poster child of the narco culture of death. And there is a link in this article as well that I'm going to look a bit into. And it says, Vatican official denounces Santa Muerte as sinister and infernal. And I'll read a bit from this. It says, The Mexican offensive against Santa Muerte, or Saint Death, launched by former President Felipe Calderón, has now gone global. In an interview last week with the Peruvian Catholic news site, the president of the Pontifical Council for Culture, Cardinal Giafranco Ravasi, condemned the cult of the skeleton saint as sinister and infernal. The Italian prelate whom Vatican watcher John Allen recently called the most interesting man in the church and even profiled as a candidate for the papacy called for both church and society to mobilize against devotion to saint death. Everyone is needed to put the brakes on this phenomenon, including families, churches, and society in its totality. The Cardinal explained that devotion to Santa Muerte is a celebration of devastation and of hell which is not true. The influential member of the Curia will take his message directly to Mexicans during his visit there next month to lead his pet project, the Courtyard of the Gentiles, a Vatican program designed to engage with and evangelize non-believers. This goes on more and more, of course. Another thing that Dr. Chestnut touched on in this article that I didn't mention, but I'm saying now because I think it's also important, and, and I'll just read it here because he puts it best. It says, however, the cadre of exorcists working behind closed doors were not only expelling the demons of narco violence, but also of abortion. Though it doesn't receive extensive international media coverage, the church in Mexico has felt besieged since abortion was legalized in Mexico City in 2007. Legal and free abortion during the first 12 weeks of pregnancy ranks among the most liberal policies in Latin America, along with those at Uruguay and Cuba. In Mexico, legislation on abortion is determined at the state level, so there is considerable variation among the 31 states. One of the reasons the state of San Luis Potosí was chosen as the site of the unprecedented exorcism was because of its status as an early opponent of legal abortion. The Mexican church roundly regards the national capital city as a den of iniquity because of its estimated 100,000 legal abortions since 2007, and its status as one of Latin America's 
America's most liberal cities. This was one of the reasons that Pope Benedict XVI bypassed Latin America's largest city and headed instead to Leon, the industrial city in Guanajuato, Mexico's most Catholic state and also one of its most culturally conservative. So, as we have seen historically time and time again, the Catholic Church is all about stunts, smoke and mirrors, stunts, shenanigans, trickery, and all that. And so this just kind of, to me, para me, for me, it feels like another kind of stunt, you know? So definitely that's what this looks like to me, that this was kind of a stunt, because you can explain the uptick in violence and drug addiction and all that. So there's an answer for that, right? It's not that this stuff is happening out of nowhere. And even then, even if we can explain it and say, well, you know, this decision was made. And so this is why that's happening. It's very easy for the Catholic Church to say, well, ultimately, that's the work of the devil, you know, that's the working of Satan. And so of course, we have to intervene. Again, they're kind of just tacking on this. Oh, and also abortion is bad. It's a no go. And so they want to address that for that reason. The next one that I have here is from it's a website called churchpop.com, where they kind of just break down what this is, but I want to read a section of this called the Hidden Ceremony, and it says, Cardinal Juan Sandoval Iniguez, the Archbishop Emeritus of Guadalajara, presided at the closed-door ceremony, the first ever in the history of Mexico. Also participating were Archbishop Jesus Carlos Cabrero of San Luis Potosí, Spanish demonologist and exorcist Father José Antonio Fortea, and a smaller group of priests and laypeople. The event was not made known to the general public beforehand, according to Archbishop Cabrero. The reserved character of the May 20 ceremony was intended to avoid any misguided interpretation of the ritual. And then there's a quote from Mr. Fortea, the demonologist and exorcist, and he says, To the extent sin increases more and more in a country, to that extent it becomes easier for the demons to tempt people. To break that down for myself, I'm understanding that as maybe the exorcismo magno was not directly in response to mexico is already completely overrun with demons and evil influence but it's saying that there is so much sin that it is on the verge of kind of like boiling over and it's just opening the door for those entities that's kind of what that sounds like to me this continues the spanish exorcist warned that quote to the extent there is more witchcraft and satanism going on in a country to that extent there will be more extraordinary manifestations of the powers of darkness okay yeah Father Fortea said that the exorcism performed in San Luis Potosí is the first ever carried out in Mexico, in which the exorcists came from different parts of the country and gathered together to exorcise the powers of darkness, not from a person, but from the whole country. This rite of exorcism, beautiful and liturgical, had never before taken place in any part of the world, although it had taken place in a private manner as where St. Francis exorcised the Italian city of Arezzo, he stated. The Spanish exorcists explained, however, that the celebration of this ritual will not automatically change the difficult situation Mexico is going through in a single day, of course. So I'm curious now if there have been other exorcismo magnos aside from Mexico, which, I mean, it looks like this link is saying that that's the only one that's happened, like on that wide of a scale. I'm wondering if there have been other large-scale exorcismo magnos that have happened. Again, this one says it's never before taking place in any part of the world. But I feel like if it was, if this one was done in secret, and of course it got out, then there have to have been other ones. And also, right after that, they say that it's also happened in Italy. So... <clears throat> there had to have been more, and I wonder what the reason for those happening were. And to be honest, I'm having trouble finding anything online about where this may have also happened. So if for some reason, you know about 
exorcismo magnos happening out in the world. <laughs> Please let me know. I'd like to hear where else this is happening. The next link that I have here is from businessinsider.com. And this one, uh, it references the violence in Mexico. And this one says, the drug war raging in the country since 2006 is thought to have killed at least 60,000 between 2006 as cartels, vigilante groups, and the Mexican army and police have tried to take control. And the violence associated with it shows little signs of slowing down. It says this isn't the first time the Catholic Church has tried to mitigate violence in Central America. In 2013, the church mediated a ceasefire agreement between the two most powerful gangs in Honduras. The church, however, knew the ritual wouldn't change the country again in a single day. This could also maybe be like a plea from the church because this violence does exist. Whether or not there was an alter ulterior motive with, you know, with abortion, this violence is happening. It's possible that Yes, the Catholic Church may have tagged that on, but also that they really want to address the violence and they're just kind of trying to basically ask people to to settle down <laughs> and to behave and to be nice, right? But I feel like that's hard to do when in the same vein, you are also literally demonizing other people's religions. So again, when we talk about Santa Muerte, they're trying to exercise the country, I guess, as, as, a, as a way to show the people doing the violence like hey you know this is how bad it is that the church has to get involved on this big of a scale and you know pray for the well-being of the people so that could be kind of like a, you know like look what you're making us do like look how bad it is we're we're begging you basically to stop the violence but then also being like and you're also going to hell because you have a different religion than us uh, <laughs> i feel like that doesn't help there's two more links here they don't really add too much else. They're kind of just reiterating what I already said. They're from catholicnewsagency.com, which is like the more official one about this whole event. And then there's also one from the El Paso Times. And so definitely, if you were to search Mexico's exorcism or exorcismo magno, you will see a bunch of results about this one exorcism. Again, because it is, it's one of the like, what, maybe two for counting the Italian one exorcismo magnos that have ever happened. And so it's a big deal, you know, for the Catholic Church itself, like I said earlier, it's rare for the Catholic Church to take on and to verify an exorcism. So for them to come forward and to exercise an entire country, it's really interesting. And and, and it is very serious because that violence, like I said, it's very real. It's, it's happening. One person that I am really uh, interested in is the, the demonologist and the exorcist, Father Jose Antonio Fortea. I feel like there are many more stories associated with him that would be interesting to look at because you don't you don't have this title for no reason right oh my god he looks like such a sweet man too i just pulled up a picture of him okay i was just double checking i'm gonna have to look into this person as well but there's there's the there's a movie coming out or i don't know if it's out yet i, I really want to see it it's called the pope's exorcist just a quick piece from Cinemark, it says, The Pope's Exorcist is ostensibly a true story, as it is based on the life and writings of Father Gabriel Amorth, who did indeed work as the exorcist to the Diocese of Rome beginning in 1986. I would have thought that this guy, Gabriel Amorth, would have been involved with the exorcismo magno, right? If it's coming from the Catholic Church, if he is the Pope's exorcist then. But he died in September 2016, the year after that the exorcismo magno happened. So I wonder if maybe he, you know, due to his health, he wasn't able to participate. I don't know how he passed away, but I'm, I'm interested to see what the connection is there. Uh, maybe I'll do an episode on him because this movie's coming out. I think it'd be interesting to see if there's a movie based on him and it looks really scary, then of course, you know, there's gotta be some great stories associated with him, but we'll leave that there for now. 
Well, girlfriends, thank you once again for being here, for listening to this story. I was searching around and I was like, God, what story should I do next? And and I stumbled upon this story and it just brought all these memories back. And I was like, oh yeah, wait, no, I do remember this. And it wasn't too, too long ago. I feel like anything after the year 2000 is not super long ago. Even we've been 23 years into the aughts, right? But <laughs> that being said, it's a very interesting story and I was excited to share it with you. As always, you can send your own scary stories to be shared on the show or on the social medias to me, to sustopodcast at gmail.com. You can send them in a DM to the socials. That's at sustopodcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Or you can leave it in a five-star review if you are able to do so wherever you are listening. Once again, the easiest way to support Susto is to leave a rating or a review and follow or subscribe wherever you are listening. I know it's different for each platform but just hit all those buttons make the algorithm go ding ding and it would mean the underworld to me speaking of your support special shout out to the patrons for this episode you all are Liza, Sadie, Rachel, Alejandra, Luther, April, Mario, Joe, Eva, Dee, Victoria, Josette, Sam, Mandy, Julianne, Karen, Lori, Jeannie, Monica, Desiree, Anna, Denise, Neresa, Amanda, Rachel, Asukena, Javier, and Rios. Thank you all so much. Thank you to those new patrons that signed up this month. And if you're interested in becoming a patron, you can visit patreon.com slash sustopodcast. We're doing Remember a Movie Night this Saturday, April 1st at 8pm. That is a best ghoul friends perk on Patreon. We are watching the movie Jennifer's Body with my commentary. I will be dressed as Jennifer. I I ordered the stuff. (laughs) If you follow on the socials, you will see that I ordered the wig and the sweater and the earrings that I posted online. And uh, yeah, that's going to be a fun time. So if you want to come watch me as Jennifer watching Jennifer's body. It's going to be a great time. I'm excited for it. This is the first time that I'm dressing up for a movie. And like I said earlier, it's something that I think I want to continue doing just to add like an element of like whimsy and fun to it. Um, Because I love Halloween and it's like celebrating Halloween to dress up as a character from the movie. Anyway, I hope to see you there. Either way, I will see you in the next one and make sure to say your rosary tonight. Bye.